The office is now open with Jesse Ventura Wednesday nights here on Clubhouse. I'm Tyrell Ventura, and the Gov joins me. How was your day going today, Jesse? Oh, fair to middle, I guess. Uh, I had to dash up the stairs here. I got kind of caught up downstairs, and that's why I'm a couple minutes late. And- well, it's the old Hollywood saying that I remember when I first learned when I moved to Hollywood. If uh, if they can't start the meeting without you, well, then that's a meeting worth going to. Uh, or uh, what I learned as governor, the governor's never late. Everyone else is just early. <laughs> <laughs> I was told that right away by my security guys, like the the first week that I was in office, we were late getting to something and I was fretting over a little bit and I said, geez, we're going to be late. And one of my security guys looked over his shoulder and says, governor, you need to understand something. The governor is never late. Everyone else is just early. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love that. I like that. I like that so, style. What's going on in the world today that we need to know about? Man, what isn't going on in the world today? We got all sorts of fun stuff. We got people, we got Starbucks firing potential union leaders. We got... Uh, really? After oh, yeah. they, they're they working so hard and now Starbucks is going to cut them off at the ankles, the union leaders? Oh, yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. What, did the, what did the union leaders do wrong? <laughs> That's start Star- a union. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, besides that, what is Starbucks using to justify getting rid of them? You know, probably the usual insurrection. <laughs> you know, they, violating company policy in some weird, obscure thing or something of yeah. that nature. You know, Re- you know how it usually is. Wrestling still don't have a union either, do they? No, 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 not at all. Well, not at all. Yeah, and and I told you why AFTRA, you know, because they're on TV, and you right. would you would think that they'd have to join AFTRA, and you know now you'd think that AFTRA would take them because AFTRA is no longer uh, uh, carrying health care. You would think that, right? Because like they, yeah, their their ability to get health care and SAG and AFTRA is like diabolically hard now. Yeah. And, and you know, that hurts SAG and AFTRA because why would you join them? Right. Right. I mean, the reason you have a union is so you can get benefits. And, and yeah, you'll get retirement benefits still, I, I guess. That's still in place because I get them. But as far as health, they used to provide health care. Now they don't. And, and that's what unions did you know, or, or are supposed to do, provide exactly. for That was the reason I brought it up in wrestling way back in the 80s, right before Mania 2. You know, and I had the showdown with Vince over the phone. And I, and I told Vince, I said, Vince, this isn't just to fight you. I said, right now, and this was the 80s, I said, right, or, or, or mid-80s, early 80s, I said, right now I'm paying $5,000 a year for health care for me and my mm-hmm. family. And that was a lot. And 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 uh, I said, Vince, if we had str- strength is in numbers, if you have more numbers, the prices go down. And then I tried to convince him to the fact that I, I, I saw all these wrestlers who had spent 20 years, 30 years in the business and they're out now and can't do anything and they have nothing. You know, the business provides them with nothing. And I said to Vince, you know, come on. You know, if we had a union, maybe we could get some type of benefit where these guys might get, you know, at least $300, $500 a month or something. 
you know, and, and benefits if you, if you put in and, you know, and into a retirement fund. And I tried to convince Vince that's why we need a union. It isn't just, but then there were other reasons too, because when you wrestled then, Ty, there was no uh, restriction on how much you wrestled. Oh, no, no, not at all. You, I imagine, you, yeah. you were totally at the will of the promoter. And if you didn't make the towns, I mean, that was drummed into you from day one, from the early days of the territories, you make the town. Through high hell water, weather, whatever, you make the town. And they just, you know, they're sitting at home in an office booking all these towns from, you know, they only travel to them a little bit here, there, whatever. The big guys and, you know, the other guys are out on the road just pounding the miles. I, I remember when I was in normal in wrestling, it was nothing to do, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 miles a week. God, <laughs> that all and driving? Then, Oh yeah, and that, and yeah, and that isn't my well. My first new car, the first new car I ever owned in wrestling, was a 1975 Mercury Cougar, and I bought a brand new first new car in my life. Two years later, I had 128 thousand on it. Wow! And wow. that wait, and that included carpooling. Oh man. That's insane. You know, where where you know, where the wrestlers would get together and two or three ride together, four if you can. You, you, know, you must have you, just wore through tires left and right, I can imagine. Well, yeah, and then the, the, uh, Kelly Springfield. I remember this back in the 70s when I had that cougar. <laughs> Kelly Springfield came out with a radial tire, uh, two years unlimited mileage. I took my Mercury Cougar down. Put, bought four brand new ones, phew, two years. A year later, I had them bald. I, <laughs> I, dro I drove, wait, I drove back into the dealership. It was out in Portland, Oregon. Drove back in the dealership, Kelly Springfield. I pulled out my paperwork, showed it. They put it right up on the hoist and put four brand new radials on. Because <laughs> that's what the warranty was. And then I asked the guy, I said, uh, I, I, I think I did that once or twice with that That's car. That's incredible. Because you usually got forty to 50000 on a pair of good radials. I think I was on my second or third set of them off that guarantee. And when I went in the last time, I said to the guy, I said, do you guys still have that two-year guarantee? He goes, no, the company cut it out because... The only people buying it were traveling salesmen and wrestlers. Because <laughs> the, the only stipulation on it was you couldn't put it on a commercial vehicle. Right. That would make sense. Well, our cars technically were commercial vehicles. We were using them for commerce to make money. But the thing was they were privately owned. They were our own personal cars. <laughs> So being an independent con, I guess, you know, you could, uh, that's how you we got away with it. But they, they stopped the guarantee because I burnt, I went through two or three sets of tires and bought just one, you know, with the guarantee because I'd wear them out. I have this feeling they never once predicted, you know, in coming up with the sales ploy that no, nobody ever thought in the room like, oh, what about wrestlers or, or salesmen? Yeah, travelers. Oh, well, no, I'm sure they didn't quite use that. Uh, uh, what do they call it? when they Focus do the group. group yeah, they, didn't, they never asked focus the focus group. group. There you go. Yeah. 
Yeah, they, they they didn't have a pro wrestler in the focus group who could have said, well, yeah, but the problem is in, in wrestling, we're going to wear those tires out in one year. Oh, yeah, you, and that included pooling time. You, it was nothing. It was nothing in those days to uh, have a town uh, 200 miles. You'd go there and back. God, in the same night. like So you would travel there sure. in the afternoon and, and then and wrestle. And then wrestle and then come home and you'd get home about 2 in the morning. That's what a lifestyle. You know, Thank God you did that in your 20s. It would damn near kill you. Well, there was a lot of guys doing it in their 40s. Wow. I was in my 20s. That was the business then. The business was, you know, you made it. it, it that's why it was territories. You had, I think, 26 regional territories throughout the country. But it was wonderful in the fact you had 26 possible places of employment. That's a good, That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. So, like, you could Cause, bounce around. Well, because the, well, the TVs only covered that region. So if you went to a new region, you were pretty well new, except for the hardcore fans that got the national wrestling magazines, because then they would cover region by region of who had the belts and who was doing what. Right. So you had right. fans that knew who was wrestling everywhere, but they still hadn't seen you really. They only seen pictures of you in a magazine or whatever. Like when you went to New York the first time, Vince Sr. would fly you in for three TV sessions before you'd make your first appearance. And the first time you'd appear there, the fans would be throwing crap at you and booing you like hell. And you're thinking, I haven't even done anything. <laughs> well, the reason was you had made three TV tapings that they had all been watching for, you know, three to four or five weeks, six weeks. Yeah. So yeah, then when primed. you did show up, well, well, what it was, it was like, an, okay, Ty, you're in movie making. It was what they did was develop your character before you even arrived. That and that way sense. it made it yeah, that much. Yeah. Sure. And it made it that much easier for you. But it was real weird because you'd get there and, oh, my God, they'd be spitting on you and throwing things at you. And you hadn't even done nothing yet. <laughs> you know, and you're thinking, hey, what's so this about? What was the TV yeah. when you said you were doing TV when you get there? Was the TV like well, basically interviews or were they well, matches no, or what no. were they? Oh, they were squash mat, what they call squash mat. You'd go to Allentown, Pennsylvania, or Hamburg, Pennsylvania, in the old, old days. You'd go there, you'd do two days of tapings, and that would cover like about a three-week period. You were still working another territory, finishing up. And you're flying to New York, you know, for, 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 for about three months ahead of time. So that when you do go to New York, you're ready to roll. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, that makes they sense. don't have they don't have to build you up to the crowd anymore. The crowd already knows who you are. That makes a lot of sense. Well, that was Vince Senior. He he had the New York Seaboard, which was Boston, all the way to Maine, uh, Philly, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, you know, the huge towns out there in the yeah. East. And yes. and then when Vince Junior when Senior got ill in the early to mid eighties and Junior, the guy you all know, came in and and basically bought his father out. What was what was to you? Because in my mind, like getting the East Coast job when you had to drive to city to city, that must have been nice because you know most of the towns on the East Coast are pretty well close together. Whereas, yeah. Like, if you're going, you know, Pacific Northwest or Kansas City, you got miles between towns. Like, was there well, one that you preferred over the other? 
Well, New York, the first time you went in, you went in for a six-month run. You knew your finishing day the day you started. Ah, okay, interesting, interesting. You're going to do a six-month run in New York, then you're going to disappear for about six months to a year, and then you're going to come back for a second time, and then you're probably going to stay longer. Oh, wow. That's how it worked. But my second time was when Vince Jr. made the big move, so I burnt all my other bridges, and, you know, Vince Jr. told me, you'll be with me at least six years Minimum. Oh, nice little job security there. Yeah. Well, but that was only his verbal. <laughs> For whatever that's worth. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he changed it, but it actually turned out to be right on the money. That was right when I left. Wow. So it turned out to be right, right what he said, you know, but I should have been there 10 years. But what Vince was doing then, basically the word went out from all the other promoters throughout the country that anybody that went with Vince would, wouldn't work in their territories again. Mm, mm. So it was like, it was for all of us that went with Vince, it was like, Vin, but see, the business had you so pissed off at that point. I was ready to quit. I had quit once. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, oh, this is the last hurrah. So <laughs> if it don't work out, I was going to quit anyway. <laughs> so, and, and then it did work out. It worked out really ter- terrific for the next six years. I did get that big contract with WCW. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and was down there for a couple of years until until my friend Hulky Boy came down there and got me d- dismissed again. <laughs> Everywhere I went, Hulk could come later and get me dismissed. Uh, yeah, that seems to be that's the trend, isn't it? Oh, it was. And then he'd come and then he'd come in and dress like me. <laughs> that's why he you got know, me dismissed. I know. But I mean, come on! Couldn't he come up with his own? <laughs> you know, he has to. He has to get me fired, send me on my way, and then right. he come. And then he comes in to, I guess, to try to replace me. I guess yeah, with the feather boas and the whole yeah, thing. and the yeah, and the yeah. wild glasses and all that oh, yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. So yeah. you know. Um, well, well, remember when I won governor, and then he said he was going to run for president or oh, something. I remember that? Yeah, no, I remember that. You know. And he was down at WCW then, I think, when he During did Hulk's all that. era, no one could be bigger than Hulk. That was definitely yeah. in his mind. No one could ever get more popular. That, that was one thing I really liked, or one thing that told a lot for me personally when I won governor. Mm. WCW made a mockery of it. Vince at WWF then, or WWE, mm-hmm. he didn't at all. Yeah, he capitalized on it. He he capitalized on it, and no, and, and he showed great respect over what had happened. Yeah, yeah that's true. He he didn't he didn't try to make a big joke of no, it. Oh no, no, he. Like, but WCW did with Bischoff and them. Right. Well, and then you know Hogan gonna outdo me. Then he's gonna run and <laughs> win a higher office. You know, right. that's weird. You know, it's weird. You don't hear nothing from him today. Yeah, you really don't. Or at least I. I mean, I. I don't. And not that I'm looking. I know this. Uh, he he doesn't show up. I've never seen him at an autograph deal. No, I haven't either. You know, I don't go to many of them. Right, you know, I right. I pick and choose the ones that uh, maybe have a great charity with them or something. Mm. You know that that I can help benefit, and then I might then I might do the autograph things. I, I've only gone to a handful of them. Of course, then the the pandemic came, 
and that, right. and, that right. and that derailed all of them for about two years and they're just starting to pick up again now to where i think we'll, we'll get you booked into a few more this year well if i do or don't they and you know they got them for others all these other things too what did i just read about oh god you know what i here's news yeah, yeah. do you know what i just read about you know andy of mayberry yeah. have you read about andy griffith it's almost like a cult really fan fan club oh that's weird well well somehow i came across this book about him and don Knotts. Okay. right yeah because yeah. i'm kind of a fan of the show right, right you know and it turns out they have they they're gone but they have there's over 1000 fan clubs for that show <laughs> wow no that's other wild. show on tv has that apparently that's crazy there's 1000 fan clubs throughout the world for An- the the Andy Griffith show that's crazy and they hold an annual get this they hold an according to this book they order they hold an annual convention in some town they found called Mayberry <laughs> and it draws 30,000 people wow wow now maybe they're BSing in this book this is like a bio book written yeah. about it well, do you think, you know, do you think it, it's like the nostalgia thing of people kind of wishing that? Yeah, and know, it's them follow, and it's and it and it 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 has never left TV. That's what you're right. It hasn't. It's still with, being replayed. Well, with the ad, with with the advent of cable. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's played every day. Sundance has it on every day. It's <laughs> so funny, you know. And and the thing that's weird about it is it ran for like four years with Barney, four or five years in black mm-hmm. and white. They did one show a week. Mm-hmm. And that's how come if you watch it, you've mm-hmm. seen every episode four or five times. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Because because it wasn't the kind of show they did on a daily basis like a soap opera. Right, right. Yeah, it's once a week. One show was a week shoot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and I've been on them on sitcoms and that when I worked out in the industry, you know, you go in there and you have a read on Tuesday and then a walkthrough on Wednesday and then mm-hmm. on Thursday you do a full big re- rehearsal or whatever it is and then on mm-hmm. Friday you shoot it and then you're done and that's a yeah. week's work, you know, that's Monday through Friday if you're working on a sitcom. Ooh, Matthew Gold in the comments section had a great, had a great observation. He says he was always confused why it was called the Andy Griffin show, Griffith show. When his character was named Andy Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Well, be, I, I guess because he was somewhat of a star before the show. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. and and they knew him as Andy Griffith, and 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 it was his show. I, I've read the early part of the book. They did the pilot for it, mm-hmm. and then that's when him and Don Knotts, whose real name is Jesse Knotts, believe it oh. or not, Jesse Donald Knotts. They had worked together earlier, uh, and they had gelled well as like a co- almost like the comedy teams, mm-hmm. you know. So Don Knotts called him up mm. when he saw the pilot, and he says, "Well, don't you think Andy Taylor's going to need a deputy? Sheriff Andy Taylor's going to need a deputy." Yeah, yeah. And that's when Andy Griffith said, "You're exactly right, Don," and they were friends. Yeah. And so that's when he, uh, a- Andy Griffith brought Don Knotts in then, and Don was one of the few co-stars, apparently, that would sit in on the writing and the whole thing. 
Oh, that makes sense. You know, and because and, and Andy insisted on that that he come in and 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 here's the other unique parts about them. Mm. They are the exact in real life apparently. Mm-hmm. They are the exact opposites of what they were on the show. Really, Don is this quiet one who never talks much, and Andy's the vocal, boisterous, loudmouth. Oh, that's interesting. In real life, that's what they're saying in this book that they actually played the direct opposite of what their own personalities were. Wow, that's wild. That's because cool. Andy Andy Griffith was much more the Don Knotts personality, mm-hmm. and Don Knotts was much more the Andy Taylor. Mm. Mm. You know the Bar- the Barney Pfeiffer Andy Taylor personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, kind of yeah. unique that way, huh? That the two actors became the other one, That's and wild. it probably and it probably helped because they knew each other so well. You know, well, it, it's wild. You know, when you look at films and things like that, it, it, it's always interesting because you know you always get an idea of who you know somebody is through the roles that they play, and they they're more than likely the exact opposite. You know, it could be, time. and and I haven't even yelled about uh, Ferdinand tonight. Ferdinand? Oh, to, to Donnie? Yeah. <laughs> Ferdinand Trump. I, 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 for people that don't know, I've renamed Donald Trump. Uh, here's the deal: uh, when I was in the military, my second deployment to Southeast Asia, I spent a great deal of time in the Philippines. And I was able to observe and watch the people live under Ferdinand Marcos, Mm. who was a authoritarian, basic dictator covering as an elected president. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Kind of the same scenario that they tried to have happen here, (laughs) you know, where you're not really, but you're authoritarian dictator with the name president. And And I saw what it was like for the Filipino people under the authoritarian dictator rule. And that's what Trump wants to be here. And so I've renamed him Ferdinand Trump <laughs> in honor of, of, of namesake Ferdinand Marcos. Because uh, I, I've seen what life was like in the Philippines under a Ferdinand Marcos. And it wasn't pretty. No, it was not pretty. Filipino people couldn't speak freely. They couldn't protest mm-hmm. or troops would come down on them. Mm-hmm. Now, we've all heard the former president said he's all for that when he's in office. Yep, yep. And, yep. and oh, and my final little thing. Here's my gig on Ferdinand Trump for the today. <laughs> okay. Here's my gig on him for today. He's out there bad-mouthing now the FBI, right? Yeah, yeah. Has he forgotten that the guy running the FBI is his appointment? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He so he appointed that. this horrible guy right. who's now persecuting him. That's what he wants us to believe. You know, how do you badmouth? You know, okay, when I took over as governor... Here's here's how I handled the outgoing commissioners. Mm-hmm. I told all the outgoing commissioners of the Carlson administration who had been, you know, they held all the commissions. I said, you are welcome to try to, if you want to continue to seek your job and stay in it, you are welcome to join the process. 
and be interviewed like any other candidate for the position and be able to sell me on why you should stay. And so I allowed them to all do that. And I and I rehired some of Governor Carlson's commissioners. Right. I, I, I remember. Well, I remember one for sure, Commissioner Gene Hugeson. He was a commi- agriculture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought he he knew it well. He's a farmer mm-hmm. by trade. So that I thought was a good plus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He came from the farm, mm-hmm. you know, providing food. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. this is what agriculture is, I thought, in my, you know, my viewpoint. And uh, and so I and, and he wanted to continue helping to guide Minnesota's agriculture industry. And he was very highly qualified. And Gene went right through the process. And I looked at him and a couple other candidates. And he was the strongest one. So I kept him on board. Oh, that's fun. That's really You know, and so that's how I did it. And so obviously Joe Biden may have done the same thing for a lot of it, maybe. Mm -hmm. And you had a Trump appointed the head of the FBI. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Biden was comfortable with this guy that he puts the FBI ahead of any political position or anything. Yeah. yeah. You know, that in positions like that, that's what you're looking for. And and uh, and now Trump is bad mouthing the FBI when it's his guy who's in charge of it. <laughs> He's a turncoat now. Well, then why why did he appoint him in the first place? Doesn't it show bad decision making then on Ferdinand's part? <laughs> so true. You know, Can't if he know. if he if he appointed this horrible guy, he did it. He did it. Yeah, he, he brought it on himself. Well, then try looking in the mirror and blame the guy who brought him on board if he's that bad. But then again, I forgot, when you're a narcissist like Ferdinand, you ain't never at fault. Yeah, you never make a bad decision. It's always no, somebody else. You, you're, you are never at fault when you're a narcissist like that. 